quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood. Yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connected parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle, and I'm back again by myself talking all about teens and tweens and just the ways in which we can stay connected. And I want to give you the 10 ways in which you can stay connected to your teen or your tween. And before I do that, I just want to talk about the induction into teenhood with my daughter and how hard it was. And I just remember when she turned 12, how much she really desired to have her freedom and how much she wanted to be with her friends and how much she really thought about her appearance and the way in which other people were perceiving her. And her sister and I really were not allowed to be around her in public because someone might think that she was out with her parents or her sister. And that was not cool. And that was a really big shift for me because I had you know, been raising this kid who wanted to be with me all the time. The more special time I could give her, the better, the more outings with her, the happier she was. And so I thought all I had to do was keep connecting with her and, and all would be well. But what happened is is when she turned 12, she really decided that she needed her autonomy and that she really pushed away from me. And it was deeply hurtful. And I took it very personally. And I had to really dive back into the idea of, okay, this is not about me. I'm going to have to shift here. I'm really going to have to change and think of the ways in which I can give her the freedoms that she wants. I can scaffold those freedoms so that she's not, you know, going to be in danger, but I can still let her start learning how to be an adult. And that really was what it was all about. Like, how can I give her a place to take risk? How can I give her a place to start experiencing these more adult things? And the things that she really wanted was to be alone with her friends. And I remember she really wanted to take the Metro by herself in seventh grade from our house to the third street promenade, which was quite a jaunt. And she wanted to do it by herself. She also wanted to take the Metro to school. And I was so terrified that someone would kidnap her or someone would take her or 
something bad would happen. And at the same time, she was pushing so hard for this freedom that I knew I had to give her something. So we eventually allowed her to go with a couple of friends and they had phones and so they could check in with us. And we tried to really give her the freedom and not stifle her because I feel as if we did stifle her, she would rebel and she would find ways to take more risky behaviors without telling us. And, you know, that could be very dangerous. And I think that's what we really tried to avoid is, is her feeling as if she needed to lie to us so that she could have her freedom so that she could start taking these risks so that she could start becoming more of a teenager. And so there were some things that we really looked at or that I really looked at as a way to give her more autonomy little by little. And the more autonomy I gave her and the more control I gave her, the better we did. And I didn't realize even being a connected mom and having, you know, been working on this stuff for like six years, I still controlled many, many things. And it became apparent that I needed to let go even more. And so some of these things are in this list that I'm going to give you right now are part of the things that I learned to let go of and give to my daughter so that she could feel like she was in charge of her own life. And I think that's what it really comes down to is like, how do we stop being in charge of their life so much and help them be in charge of their own life? And how do we do that in a way where it feels good for everybody? So I think one of the first things that I really let go of was bedtime. And if you talk to any of my friends, they'll tell you I was the mom who had her kids in bed at 730. And that was the way it was because early bed meant everyone was resting. And I was very, you know, stern on the idea of getting everyone to bed. I don't know how much of it was me really deciding that sleep is important or me really wanting to control the environment so that I could have time to myself. Nonetheless, I started to let go of bedtime and really say to Asmi, okay, this is on you. You decide when you want to go to bed and you decide how and when you're going to get up. This is really on you. And you know, she did pretty well with it. I have to say Pia had a harder time with it because she's a night owl. And so she spent many days going to school exhausted But eventually she found her edge. Like, how did it feel to go to school exhausted? And what was staying up too late? And what did that feel like? And she went deeply into, Pia went deeply into a couple of weeks of really being tired. But she finally came around and figured out, ah, school nights, I probably shouldn't stay up until one in the morning. That's not going to feel good. And she got there. But it was me letting go of it and allowing her and trusting that she could do it. So bedtime's been a good big one. And what that also does is that you don't have to argue about bedtime. You don't have to nag them about bedtime. And that goes for many of these things I'm going to talk about. What that nagging and what that begging and what that control does is it erodes the relationship that we share with our kids. And when we erode that relationship over these things that we might not necessarily need to erode our relationship over we get less influence. And so our kids think less of us because there's so much, you know, nagging and there's so much begging and there's so many, so many fights around some of these things that it really stresses our relationship. The second thing was showering and bathing. I hear it all the time. They won't take a shower. They're 
disgusting. They're greasy. They have to, we're going to go to school like that. I'm so worried. And I thought that too, but I think showering for me was much easier to let go of because I was just of the mind, well, they're going to go to school and somebody is going to say, oh, your hair's greasy. Or somebody is going to tell them they smell, or maybe somebody else will give them the clue that they, you know, need to take a shower. And Pia again, I don't know why Pia, but Esme was very, you know, clean and she wanted to take showers and she was pretty good about taking care of herself. Pia, on the other hand, really let it go. She just decided I'm not going to take a shower for, I think maybe 10 days. And it was pretty disgusting, but she got there. She figured it out. And after the 10 days, she took a shower. And after those 10 days, she regulates her own showers. And it's nothing that we need to fight about. Okay, number three, room cleaning. Room cleaning is another thing that's very triggering for some parents. They cannot stand the dirty room. And I'm a fairly clean person myself. And I don't necessarily like a dirty room, but I started to just let go and have that be their own space and that that space was theirs and they owned it and they needed to take care of it. And once again, this time as me went deeply into this place where you could not see the floor. You could not see anything. She also had her friends over and it was a disgusting mess. And so she kind of took longer to figure out where is the line of dirty and clean and where do I want to, where do I want to fall there? And, and what is, you know, what can I stomach? But she eventually got there. She eventually figured out that, you know, she wanted a clean room some of the times. And sometimes I walk in their rooms and they're totally clean and they've done it on their own. And other times I'll walk in their rooms and be complete disaster. But letting go of that gave us less to fight about. And it also gave them their autonomy and it gave them their control of their own life. And I think that's what teens and tweens are really looking for is to manage their own life, that we don't have to manage their life for them anymore because it's soon not going to be our job. And so this is how we can scaffold. How can we get them from A to B before they leave the house? Because if we're in control of everything and we send them out into the real world, we're sending them at a disadvantage because they won't really know how to take care of themselves. Instead of searching endlessly online for answers to your most challenging parenting moments, join me three times each month of the year and ask your questions in person in my new membership community. I will host three live Zoom sessions, provide lessons, a private and intimate online community and support materials organized in an online student portal. You don't have to parent alone or wonder if what you're doing will work to promote connection. Join the Peace and Parenting online membership community and find the soft place you're looking for. Go to peaceandparentingla.com forward slash membership and join now. I'm looking forward to seeing you live. Okay, number four, electronics. I know electronics is really controversial. I know that people are really worried that our children spend too much time on, you know, their devices. And I think they do. And I also do think we do. And that as a society, we all do spend so much time on our devices. But if we over control the use of the device with our kids, Do we create an opportunity where they might want to do it even more? Do they crave to have it so much that it becomes ultimately important? 
Or can we allow them more freedoms with their device, including though lots of discussions about safety because this is a world that is not necessarily safe on the internet. And can we talk to them about, you know, predators and can we tell them the pitfalls of certain sites and can we have an open discussion about our fears around it? Can we inform them about not giving their identity? Can we inform them about not telling people where they live or who they are? And can we scaffold it so that we are placing the trust in them, that we want them to figure out how to navigate this online world because at 12 and 13 and 16, that's their life. And we would be doing them a disservice if we said, oh, sorry, no electronics whatsoever, because this is the world we're living in and they want to partake in that world. And we can give them the scaffolding to get there without shutting them completely down. Now, if there's rules around electronics that they have to be turned off at a certain time or they have to be put away, I think that's totally reasonable, but we also have to give them some control and some autonomy around their electronics. Okay, number five, doing things alone in public with friends. That was a big one to the mall, to the ice skating rink, to the movies. And it can be very scary for us because we've been in public. We're around them. We're with them. We never let them really go without an adult. And as they get older, they crave to be without adults and to have their own experiences. And we can remember back. I remember going to the mall and I remember just hanging out at the mall all day with my friends and walking in all of the stores and it didn't seem dangerous to me, but maybe my parents thought it was dangerous or maybe they were nervous that something would happen. And, and the same goes for us. We're lucky in some ways. And if our kids do have electronics, that we know where they're at because there's lots of tracking. There's lots of ways to figure out where our kids are. So that can give you some solace, but giving them little opportunities like, yes, you can go to the movies, you know, an adult's going to drop you off an adult's going to pick you up. You're here for three hours and just giving them more and more opportunities to be alone in public and talking about safety, stay with your friends. I mean, we have lots of rules me and the kids, like you always have to be with your friends. You never leave your friends. You don't talk to anybody you don't know. You don't take any drinks or any food or any, anything from anyone. And, you know, there've been some, there's some incidences where they've felt scared and they've told me about that and we've talked about it. But if you just say you can't go now, you're cutting off these opportunities to learn how to take care of yourself in public. Okay. Number seven, not expecting them to always hang out with you and the family. And this can be really hard because we take it very personally that they don't want to hang out with us. And I remember my friends who had younger kids, they kept saying, oh, we're going to go to pizza night and can uh, you and Esme and Pia want to come? And I said, well, you know, I would often say when she was at this age, I don't know if I can get Esme to come. I don't think she'll want to. Someone might see us and she might be embarrassed. And that was literally the truth. Like she didn't want to go to the pizza place because some of her friends might be there or some older friend, people from school might be there. And that would be social suicide and devastating. So I had to say, you know, she doesn't want to go. And so she, oftentimes she chose not to, and it didn't last forever, but it was her choice. And I needed her to figure it out on her own. And she did. And so now she'll go in public sometimes with me and things have gotten a little easier, but we did go through a big period of time where I was not allowed to go in public with her unless it was absolutely necessary. 
So that was a difficult one, but we got through it and things are okay. So number eight, trying not to take them pulling away personally, trying to just lean into the fact that they want their autonomy. They want to have their own control and their own life. And it really has nothing to do with us. They still love us and they still eventually want to be with us. But for the moment, they're unable to get there because they are going through their own growth period and they need to push us away so that they can stand up on their own two feet and learn how to live in the world as an adult. And this is the beginning of all of that. So if we can try not to take it personally, it makes it easier to get through. Okay, number nine, do not use punishments, threats, or rewards. And I preach this to all ages in all groups, but very deeply believe that punishments and threats and rewards at this age truly do put a huge divide between us. And that divide can really damage our relationship. And that damage can be dangerous, more dangerous than letting our kid go to a party, more dangerous than letting our kid go to the mall by themselves, more dangerous than allowing them to be on electronics. What that does is it gives them opportunity not to trust us and not to seek solace with us and not to seek help from us because they're worried about the punishment and they're worried about being in trouble. And so they conceal parts of their life and will be sneaky because they want to also have their autonomy. But if we're not allowing them and they get in trouble for it, then it creates a big upset between us. And so we want to really stay away from the punishments. If a child does something wrong in their teen years, it's an opportunity for a discussion. It is not necessarily going to be fixed by giving a punishment or giving a reward or giving a threat. A child who does something wrong is having a hard time and they're making the the wrong decision. And your teens are going to do that. They're going to make the wrong decision. But is it fair to punish them? Are we punished when we do something wrong? We make big life decisions that aren't always the best. I've made tons of mistakes as an adult, but there's no one sitting there to punish me. And whoever did, I wouldn't feel very good about them and I wouldn't trust them. And that's what we don't want is we don't want our teens not to trust us. So we have to really pull away from the idea of punishments. And number 10, give allowance, but don't expect them to do chores for the allowance. Now you can expect them to do chores, but the allowance and the chores are unrelated. And you can listen to my allowance and chores podcast. But the idea is that they need spending money even as little as 10 or 11 or whenever you deem that it is, you know, a reasonable time for them to have some spending money. They need to realize how to use money and the value of money and what they want to spend their money on and how they want to save their money. And they need experience with money to be able to do those things. And they can't really experience those things unless we give them money. Now we can't all afford to give huge allowances to our kids but we can give a very small amount of money to our children as a way for them to pay for their entertainment and wait for them to pay for anything that they want beyond the things that we can give them. And it can be a few dollars a week. It can be a few dollars a month. It can be whatever you think is reasonable, but it's theirs and it's theirs to do with what they so choose. Now, chores are totally different 
category of parenting and chores are something we do because we're part of this household. And I expect my kids to do chores because they are in this household together and we all need to pitch in to make things happen. And so my kids have a few chores that they need to do, not a lot, but a few chores. And those chores, I expect them to do regardless of the allowance. They're not linked. So we don't want to reward our children for doing a chore. We want them to do the chores and we also want to give them allowance unfettered. So why are these so important, these 10 things? They're important because they preserve our relationship. They preserve the relationship we share with our child. And we so desperately need to have a good relationship because life is dangerous now. Things can happen. And if we have a good relationship with our child, if things go wrong for them, they're going to come to us. If the relationship is stressed and if we're nagging about taking showers and electronics and allowing them to go on their own with their friends, if we're constantly having fights about all of these things, the relationship is not going to feel good. There's a saying out there that says we need five positive interactions for every one negative. That's a lot of positive interactions to counteract a negative. That means five to one. Every time there's a fight, you have to have five more positive interactions to make the relationship feel better. So if we can take some of these things out of our control and give that to our children, those things we don't have to fight about. And those things are you know, developmentally appropriate places for our child to have control and things that we can really let go of. And I would say the other, the other tip I, I would give you is don't nag. <laughs> Nagging is one of the one of the worst things anyone can do to anybody. And you can ask any married couple um, what they think about nagging. And our children think the same thing. It doesn't feel good. And we don't want to be in a relationship where we are nagged all the time. And we really want to preserve our relationship with our child. Then we will, you know, do without the nagging. And these 10 things really give you less to nag your children about. We want to have influence with our teens. And the only way we can have influence is for them to respect us. And the only way that they'll respect us is if we respect them and we give them some autonomy. So when something bad goes down, we want to be able to say, you know what, this is what I would do, or this is what I'm thinking about this situation. And we want our child to hear us. We don't want to always be telling them what to do, but when things are scary and dicey, We want to be able to say something that's influential. We want them to hear it. They're not going to hear it if they don't feel good about the relationship they share with us. So maintaining that connection, once again, back to connection, gives us some influence. One other tip is to spend time with your teen. Find out what they like, if it's sports or if it's fashion or if it's a certain video game. Find out what they really like in life and get involved. Think about it. Really ask them about it, talk to them about it and spend time working on getting into their world some and spending a little bit of time with them each and every day. We can't make our teens do anything. And the best we can hope for is that they respect us some. And the only way that they will do that is if we respect them, get involved in their world, spend time with them and give them some autonomy. That's it for today. 
Thank you for joining me. Please find me online on Facebook, on IG or on YouTube. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have a topic that you want me to chit chat about, I'd be happy to. Or if you want to leave a review, I'd love to hear from you too. Thank you to all the kind parents who rated and reviewed our lovely little podcast. And I just wanted to highlight one of them that warmed my heart. A listener says, listening to Michelle's podcast have given me hope that I can repair my relationships with my two daughters. I'm just starting on this journey of connection parenting instead of yelling consequences and rewards. And Michelle offers great usable tools. Thank you so much. I so appreciate the feedback and I'm glad to be helpful to anyone out there. Much love. I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining the Peace and Parenting Podcast. Peace.